and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast, episode 120. Today, investing insights, the art of backing others' property developments. Ooh, what a topic. So we are jumping into episode 120. We'll unpack that. You'll hear some negatives, you'll hear some positives, and you'll be left thinking, hmm, I might do that, or hmm, I won't do that. Let's jump in to episode 120. and there you have it episode 120 property mastermind podcast with Hillary Saxon and Bob Anderson obviously I'm the host and Bob's the guest is that how it works Bob yep you're the boss (laughs) I'm the boss perfect that's how we like it Um, investing insights so the art of backing other people's property developments now this is something that we have a lot to do with because plenty of our mentoring students used joint venture partners so we're going to unpack joint ventures and we're going to unpack um, when you use getting an interest rate return versus when you're on the development project, and we'll have some pros and cons. So before we get started, Bob, as always, yep. thanks for coming. Oh, thanks, Hilary. <laughs> okay. But uh, well, I actually just want to know, what's your tip for the week? Yabby's out fish prawns. <laughs> <laughs> what? I want to throw a fishy one in there. Ah, okay. Yabby's out fish prawns. Ah, oh, okay, so... Okay. As bait. As bait. Okay, you've gone to fishing as usual. Oh, well, that's where my, my mind wanders to. Oh, I was thinking you might say, if you're going to do a property development, you really should come to our workshop. What's that about? Well, yes. <laughs> uh, if you're wanting to do property development, you should really come to our workshop. Because it's, uh, it's on the 3rd, 4th and 5th of November in the Gold Coast, and if you are wanting to come, well... It is a better hurry am- up. Yeah, it's an amazing event. And a couple of seats left, I think. Yeah, so reach out below. There'll be a link below. Contact us. And if you've been before, obviously we have that massive discounted price. And if you're a newbie, this is a place you want to be. Yep. But anyway, Bob, these my plug. That's a good plug. That is a good plug. And we've got to give away the book. Even better. Well, no, not as good. But property millionaires exposed. Is it still backwards? You always tell me it's backwards on the on the uh, recording. Well, yep. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, I, so I'm a little backwards. I'm not sure. <laughs> this one, this week, it goes to Daniel Berridge. So, Daniel, you Daniel, are Daniel. Well done, champion. You are the winner of the book this week from the podcast. Thanks for the chat, and I see you've just emailed me again. So I'll be back in touch. Hey, Bob. Let's talk about investing in other people's property development projects, and it's a path that you and I have both walked down yep. ourselves. Walked down, ran down. Yeah, and so let's talk about um, why somebody would want to invest in somebody else's property development project. What okay. would be the so, reason? So why? this is looking at it from the investor side. Yeah, because we always wear our developers hat, and then we put their investors hat on. Yep. Why would you want it? At the risk of sounding crass. Crass. Make money. Oh. P- pretty good idea. That's not crass. That's, that's that's what we're here for. Yes, making money. It's not crass at all. In fact, it's a damn good idea. <laughs> it's like a fair but idea. I mean, that's what it is. You know, you see if, if somebody was investing in somebody else's project as a loan, they're looking for, for a good interest rate. And so that's why they would do it. There's a lot of other things that we'll talk about you to know, look at, but that's that's a basic one, get, to, you know, get a good return. So one, it would be to get a return on their money. Another reason might be that they don't have the time to do the development themselves. That Well, the time and the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. That, that's typical, you know. I mean, you, you think of your dentist. Your dentist might make a good uh, investor in your project, but 
probably not not absolutely because we've we've had dentists do our mentoring program but well, probably hey, they I want saw, to re- <laughs> I saw him book into the workshop today so be it'd be nice to see you Milton yeah yeah and uh, so you know that that completely threw me off there but but they want to stay a dentist I mean they don't want to necessarily be a property developer most dentists don't want to be a property developer mm. but most dentists make good money and they and they like making more money mm. so it, it's nice they don't want to be a property developer but they want to derive the benefits of property development without being a property developer they don't, well, they don't want to learn how to be one they want to keep filling teeth and whatever else they do uh and which is that and they don't have the time the benefit is that they, they are in it to make the money because they make yeah. money their end and it's how to get your money making money. that's what you need to do you get know your Mo- money making yeah, money yeah money's a slave it, it, it doesn't care about the master so you've got to get it working and it's interesting that I'm going going off track already. When we talk about that, Bob, how many people have equity in their homes and mm. they leave it sitting in there? Yeah. I talked to somebody this morning and she was talking to a person she was hoping might want to have a conversation about being a joint venture partner and she pretty much owned a house and she thought, oh, no, it's too risky. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that is just – that's like you say, it's dead money. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, look, it's not for everybody. I'm not going to say everybody should in, be an investor in a p- property development. Not everybody should be a property developer. Mm. There's people that should really uh, just spend their life paying off their house and putting a few dollars in the Commonwealth Bank. Uh, and, you know, if that's the limit of their thought, if that's the limit of their risk profile, then you know, let them do that. Uh, but I, I actually think you're, you're not joking right now. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. But... You know, for for people that have got a bit of go, that mm. want to get ahead in life, mm. you know, prepared to do what it takes, do the hard yards, learn, do, take or action, investing, a- in a- analyze risk. Nothing, yep. you know, nothing's without risk. Yes, we'll go through the risks when we will talk about those. Well, just walking across the road to the office is risky. Yeah, <laughs> you're saying we shouldn't be. Going well, there's no zebra crossing there, and there's cars zipping both oh, ways. Yeah, so you know, I mean, that, that's risk. But what do we do? We mitigate it. We mm. look both ways for a start. And we stop texting. Don't blindly walking. walk out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so that's, that's what I'm saying anyway. It is, you know, not everybody should do it, but if you want to get ahead in life, it's a damn good way of getting of getting some money. And another reason that people invest in other people's uh, projects is because they don't have enough money themselves to do a project on their yeah. own. So they might not have the time. They might not have the knowledge. And they might not have enough money, so mm. by putting their money into somebody else's project, then they yeah. can get a re- well. They can either get a return on their money, or they can get yeah. um, a share in the profit. Yeah, and we know some people who have the knowledge to do a property development. They have the money to do one, but it, but they get too busy. Mm. I mean, I'm thinking of a joint venture at the moment within our mentoring program of somebody who did the mentoring program, but the business got so busy mm. that they just couldn't find the time to do a property development. So they've now joint ventured with one of the other mentoring students who does have the knowledge as well, uh, but has the time. Yes. But you know what was interesting, that conversation he and I had was, he said, I've got to make hay while the sun shines. And and he was right in his business. So he, he is now still doing property development, but yes, with another mentoring student. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So the other person is supplying the time. Yeah. They both have the they knowledge. They both have the knowledge, but the other one's supplying the, the funds. Mm, exactly. Good good arrangement. Yeah, that is a great arrangement. Mm. And I think 
you've mentioned in the past, Bob, and I'll, I'll mention it now, that a lot of the time you've even had people come into our mentoring program that they, they only did that to understand exactly everything about property development. They never actually intended to. They only came into yeah. it to become invested in, in other people's projects. Yeah, I had a couple join the mentoring program one time. Uh, they were successful business people. Mm. They, they had about $5 million in cash and a lot of other assets. As you do. Oh, yeah, like everyone else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, People are listening now and go, what? They joined the mentoring program and they said, look, we don't really want to do developments. We love property. We love the idea of property development. Uh, but we've got, we've got our businesses to run. But what we want to do is invest in other people's projects. But we want to understand what we're getting ourselves into. So these mm. were successful people and, and they're not stupid. So they don't want to invest in something they don't know anything about. Mm. Uh, and, and so that's the track they took. But then, you know, they had a substantial amount of money. Uh, other people... Can I just interrupt there, Bob? You yeah. know what I love about that is they went... They had clarity on what they were doing. And mm. that is something that many of us go through life not clear about what we want. So they mm. made a decision. They were clear about it. It was different to everybody else's, mm. but that's okay. Most other people come into that program because they want to do a development. Mm. But but that's fully fine. And it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Clarity, this is my second podcast today, and the other one was about that as well, uh, is is really clarity is key mm. when you're clear about what you want it's like you're setting your gps to the destination you want yep. to head and you will go there mm. and they will go there educated mm. and which is a way that they get to mitigate risk mm. and you don't absolutely have to because we, we see a lot of investors who invest in other people's projects because they uh, they trust what's going on mm. you know they're not, they're not development experts could be like dr dennis anybody you know mm. Uh, but but they need to have trust in the person who's doing the development. So, Bob, speaking of that trust, what are the, the critical questions that an investor should ask a somebody that they're wanting to invest their money with? What are, If they haven't, say, gone through that level of knowledge, what questions do they need to ask for their own security? Well, look, investors can come from two directions. As we know, they could be purely somebody loaning money to the developer. We call that a loan partner in our world. They're lending money to the developer. So they're not in the development. They're not on the title. They're not on the development loan. They're simply, from from an external position, lending money to the developer. So they just get an interest rate return for doing that, and a, and a nice one. The other type are those what we call equity partners or you know, joint venture partners. They're in the project with the other party. And they're probably on the title, they're probably on the loan. Their reward is normally a profit share, not an interest rate return. Mm, mm. Equity uh, produces profit share. Just a loan produces an interest rate. So if we sort of clear that up first. Uh, but in terms of, the, let's say, an, inv- let's say an, equity, an equity partner, somebody's going to become involved in a project with somebody, in their boots and all, for a percentage of the uh, profit at the other end. And they're nice boots, by the way. Nice boots, yeah. <laughs> okay. so, nice boots and all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so they they would look at a project. So what would they be thinking? Well, who is this person that I'm going to invest with? What are they like? What's their what's their knowledge? What's their experience? What are they like? Are they trustworthy people? You know that that's the person thing. Mm. The other side of it would be the project. Does it make sufficient profit? Mm. You know, uh, which is all about numbers. And so they're, they're two of the things you'd be looking for. You'd be looking for the individual, mm. you know. Is this their first project? Is it their 10th project? 
And it's okay. To, we still have people having investors on first projects. So mm. That's 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 fine. Generally, if that's the case, they, the investor might like them to have a bit of skin in the game. They want to have. They want to see that they've so, got money in. Yeah. yeah. So looking at that, let's say let's say it was somebody doing their first project. They're looking for a joint venture partner. Yep. They're talking to somebody. Well, that happens a lot. Yeah. Look. If they've got no money in the deal at all, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. We do lots of those. But some investors might think, well, I'd like you to have some of your money in there. Mm. You know, even if it's only, you know, you put in 20% of the money and I'll put in 80% of the money and the bank puts in the rest, you know. It could be that. Or it could be some people might say, look, uh, I'd prefer somebody with more experience. Well, how do you counter that? Well, we do that all the time in our mentoring program because if somebody was doing... If an investor was investing in a project with somebody who was doing their first project, but we were there with them, you know, be behind them, mm. educating them, holding their hand, directing them, then that would that would give a lot of confidence to the investor. And we, we see that. Mm. We see that all the time. Mm. So in terms of the individual and their experience, it could be either, you know, some skin in the game, as you said, mm. experience, or if they lack the experience, then to have somebody with them who does have the experience. Yes, that's how you sort of counteract that lack, lack of experience, I guess. The other side is is, is the individual themselves. Mm. You know, what are they like as a as a person? You know, are they approachable? Trying to um, do a personality profile like you might do. Yeah. Um, and the unfair thing about doing a personality profile would be more likely to lend to you would be attracted to somebody who is more like you because we like people that are like us. So mm. that might not necessarily be not fair all, because no. if you're someone like me, I'm direct. I want to know the information. I just need bullet points. Give me the give me the numbers and I make a decision. Versus somebody like we've got Georgia who's over there taking photos of us right now. She wants that all of that information and pretty much a thesis that goes with it (laughs) and all of that the detail and then Bob wants the type of his personality wants a a, sort of a a softer approach and he wants to uh, think about it and he doesn't want to rush his decision and then you've got so we all have different Hmm. ways of making a decision and we're more likely to like someone who is like us so Hmm. that becomes a little bit unfair but not everyone is likeable and and that's we where, you, that. yeah. And, and look, that's where you got to sort of draw some conclusions on conversations mm. as best you can. Uh, is somebody trustworthy? Well, you can sort of get a gut feeling for that when you when you see, you know, who they are. Like, you know, if if, if they're all about the pizzazz and the you know the the, the fake Rolex and the uh, and the least expensive car and you know that that mightn't be the right look. You know what I mean? Mm, I think somebody more down to earth, somebody solid. Gut feeling, Bob. Would oh, you yeah, go well, with a bit of I've gut? I got a good gut. Yeah. In more ways than one. Yeah. And yeah, I, I are you talking about your time getting B? I'm breathing in. <laughs> and uh, so. So listen to listen yeah, to your intuition as well. Yeah, intuition. Yeah, males. No, I say female intuition, but males can have good intuition as well. Do. I think I've got pretty good intuition. Do you know why I wonder, Bob, if we. If you run with the whole, if it sounds too good to be true, yeah. it probably is. And people get swept away by, oh. you can have this, you know. Interest rates. Interest rates are going to be amazing return and it's going to be, if, if it sounds too good to be true, well then mm. potentially look into it. Yeah, and that's back to the deal. So we've talked about the person. Yeah. Oh, so once again, just to refresh, we're an investor looking at an opportunity. We've yep. talked about the developer that we're going to in- invest with mm. as an equity partner. So yep. we've talked about them, their their personality, their experience and so forth. 
the project itself. Mm. Obviously, it has to stack up. If, if it doesn't stack up, you don't get the finance. So and the numbers have to be right. Yeah, and that's something that not everybody understands. It has to stack up to get the finance. So that is the number one. Yep. But the other thing with that is they need to present you with a document mm. that tells you everything about it so you're going into this eyes wide open. So oh, yeah. it's called an information memorandum and it has all the information about the demographics around that and mm. w- w- the construction costs and the sale prices and yeah, all the things feasible. to do with it. It's all in there Yes, in, in that information memorandum. And uh, we, we teach people how to do those. We even have templates. But it, it makes you look really professional. Mm. When you, as a developer, when you've got an information memorandum that you can give to somebody. I've seen people serve up all sorts of rubbish, you know, and like to, to an investor, you know, a, a scratchy piece of, uh, you know, feasibility with about six numbers, um, oh, you know, just, just pretty scant stuff. So I- important. It, it's important that for the developer to look professional, to look the goods. And, and part of a good information memorandum is all part of that. So it's the project, you know. So from an investor's point of view, of course, uh, it, it has to be a deal that stacks up, you know. We've got the the human side of it, then we've got the project side. Mm. And look, they might not know, uh, the investor might not know a lot about that. Uh, you know, they might not know if the numbers are right. Well, they can get independent assessment if they want to, you know. Mm. They can talk to project manager or developer somebody external if they want you know third party reassurance but um that's that's pretty important to that that it's a good deal and it looks good yeah and, it stacks and, the, up. and the documentation is good mm. so you, you you've you've got documentation so you at least have the opportunity to even show somebody else and get advice actually bob why go to that if you say you were to get advice from somebody who who would you take that information to to make that sort of decision? Would well, it be your accountant? Well, but well, then well, we know what that yeah, can mean. Uh, accountants no, aren't no. always the right people well, no, to Definitely ask. not an accountant. They're historians. Mm. I love accountants. I've got you know, we know some great accountants. Mm. Uh, but, but they're historians. They, they have a look at you know, what's already happened mm. and categorise it and do all the numbers. They're looking at the numbers. Mm. I, 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 wouldn't, I, I wouldn't get a, an accountant to look at a feasibility, that's for sure. Um, so, look, you, it'd be somebody who's in that business. If you want a third-party independent assessment of whether a project stacks up or not, it's really around the numbers. So it could be a, a commercial valuer, it could be a project manager. To some extent, it, it might be a quantity surveyor who's involved in project side of things, you know, those, those sort of... Or, or perhaps, you, you know, you might have a, a trusted friend who's done a number of developments, not one. Mm. Or not even two, but done a number of them. You know that you can get to bounce that off. Mm. Uh, you know, we, well, I mean, if, even in our mentoring program, we've had people that have invested in other people's deals, um, and you know, I've, I've analysed the deals. Probably half of them I threw in the bin, mm. even though that, that's the problem. I, I, I do see deals that people put up to investors, and sometimes the investors ask me because I know them to look at it, mm. and it's it, it's all wrong. You know, mm. the numbers, you could divide by two. You know, the profit's only half of what they're saying, the margin's half. And they're going to find out when they get down the track you can't fund it. So, mm. uh, you know, that's that's it. Yeah, so we've gone to having the right paperwork, yep. who you would ask uh, to check over that and perhaps not an accountant because, like you say, they're historical. Not somebody in the industry that, that yeah. works fees. That gets and, it. And that's the joint venture part of it. The mm. other one we haven't really spoken about is what we call the loan partner mm. who simply lends money 
Mm. to the developer there's a loan document there's some form of security whether it's a second mortgage whatever it is from their point of view and so there's the developer it, they don't have a joint venture partner the, the developers 100% in there they get 100% of the profit but they pay an interest rate mm. to the person that lends them the money so from the investor's point of view it depends when you're coming into the deal mm. if you're coming in right at the beginning then obviously there is a risk within the project, but, but you're not taking the project risk. See, the loan is between the investor and the developer. Whether the developer makes no money or a million dollars out of the project, the loan is not reliant on that. The loan is simply reliant on the developer paying back the principal and paying interest on the money. Mm. How they do that is up to them. It's not reliant on the project. Technically, you know, they're not part of the project. Mm. So they're not I, profit sharing. I, as I hear us talk about this, I, I it makes me wonder if people who are listening might f- find this conversation quite negative. And we're not because we're not talking about it negatively. We're actually, no, I mean, I crikey, right now I am a, a loan partner in somebody else's project. And the things that can You're go... You're also a joint venture partner in other people's projects. Yeah. You're both types of investor. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yes, I am currently. And I, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly, but I, I think when you go into that eyes wide, eyes wide open, hmm. exactly, you're going. you yeah. there is the same thing. There's that level of trust. I knew the deal. You know, great person. Um, you know, they were in the mentoring program, so I, I knew Bob was all over the all over the deal. Yep. Uh, so that sort of thing, you know, it is a really pro- it's a positive experience. Oh, look, it is, and and we do it all the time. And look, I. I've done over $300 million worth of projects that are joint ventures or cap raising, you know, either mm. basically loan, loan partners or joint venture partners from tiny little projects to big ones. And, mm. and, and so I obviously like it. I wouldn't, mm. wouldn't have managed $300 million worth of projects if I didn't think it was a good thing. Mm. Uh, and it is. But, you know, investors have to go in with their eyes wide open. They have to ask the right questions yeah. um, because – People, people get hoodwinked. People get into trouble, you know, investing in the wrong deals with the wrong people. And we see that. Sometimes you see it in the newspapers, but, mm. you know, you, you don't see much in the newspapers. So, no, we're not, we're not negative at all. We're just saying, you know, be careful. There's a lot of money involved. Do it properly. And, and do it properly, it'll be great. Yeah, if you do it properly, it will be great. And as you pointed out, like, I'm doing it now. Hmm. Plenty of, uh, most of our mentoring students are doing it in some way. Yeah. You're doing it. We, yeah, it's mm. something that we all do. So it's nothing to be negative about. So, Bob, let's look at it from – I think if we covered oh, – I suppose the next thing I want to cover off, we actually did a podcast with Bernadette Jensen today oh, uh, the, from She Renovates, and Bernadette asked us how we managed um, – people with joint ventures she said sometimes she feels like a marriage counsellor and how about you unpack that one what, well, she, what she was getting at was yeah, you know people end up I fighting think, um, squabbling if we're talking about the loan partner who yep. simply is outside of the project and simply lending money to the developer not the, a problem the, no not not too too much of a problem there and we and sometimes the development might go over time which is you know not unusual uh and they just have to well, for them, they, they keep getting interest in any event, so they're pretty happy. People that come in as a joint venture partner into the project, now they're going to get a profit share. Let's let's call it 50%. It doesn't have to be, but it often is. Well, that that's a fair chunk of money, half the profit, but then they're, they're doing everything for it. They're putting the equity in and they're, and, they're, and they're jointly borrowing the rest of the fund. So let's say that was the case. 
what can happen and what you don't want to happen is if both parties are equal in every respect mm. and particularly on the development front. Now, I've avoided this and I've avoided a lot of trouble. If you imagine you've got two people in there, one is let's call it one is the, the working partner, the developer, the other partner is the equity partner. What's their level of experience? Well, it, it might well be that the, the money equity partner might not have any experience. You know, it could be the doctor or the dentist. The other person, the developer, might have experience. You, you can't have that situation where they're equal. No. Where one can veto the other. There has to be one party, and normally it's either the developer is putting the deal together, even if it was their first one, it's either that party or the one with the most experience who makes the decisions. And yes, you can be consulted, consultative, consultative, whatever the word is. You can consult with the other well, partner. I don't know what that word is. is it? Yeah. yeah, say, yeah. Say, you're, say you're the working partner, the, the developer. Mm. And, and, you know, I've done this. I keep them up to date, you know, report regularly. They know what's going on. They don't make any decisions. You can't. You can't have two decision makers in a project that are equal. And so, yes, you can be friendly and you can be consultative and you can do all that, but one party has to be the decision party. I saw a project once, well, I've seen a few, where they've been had equal say, mm. turn into disasters. I, I saw one project that went for six weeks they're arguing about which tile to use. Oh, and six weeks, that's time, and time costs money oh, when you're property developing. Well, by that point, you're fairly advanced in the project. Mm. You know, the building's three-quarters built, the land's well and truly settled. You know, depending on the size of the project, it could be $300 a day interest, and, and, you know, just not even on a big project. And it, it, like, and that goes on for three or four weeks. That's a lot. Of, that's thousands and thousands of dollars just burnt while two people argue about a tile. So the, the answer to that one is that, that all needs to be written up front, who's doing what. Absolutely. And, and that's the joint venture agreement or the project management agreement yeah. that forms the documentation behind these things. Mm. It has to be in there. I will only ever do a joint venture with anyone if I'm in control of the joint venture. And you know something else you brought up, Bob, which is uh, another interesting uh, point, is that the reporting. And there are various ways of doing that reporting. There, I, we know of people that have just a closed Facebook page where they mm -hmm. put the information on there, they're taking photos, maybe they use a drone, maybe they don't. Uh, they just do live updates, they do video footage, load that in. That, that, is a, that is a great way to keep your investor mm. partner up to date with what's going on. Another one is just using a Google Drive. Yeah. Uh, you could just have coffee meetings and let them know. Yeah, if they're locals. Yeah, you could be driving home and give them a call depending on the relationship that you have with them. Mm. But I do like the way of putting it in a closed Facebook page or something that then you can just put – it's almost like a, a, a vault. You put it in there, the other person can go and have a look, yeah. and it's a great way to uh, see you know, the, the video footage. Yeah. and the, the photos, etc. Yeah, great way. Back back in back in the old days, about 10 years ago, I think, 13, 14, 15, back in the, those days. days. Yeah, back yeah. in the old days. Those old days. We, we used to have a little YouTube channel. And leading up to construction, you know, you might every two weeks just do a bit of a report. During construction, you tend to go to the site once a week, talk to the builder, and so we just do a video. And so that would be a closed YouTube thing, some, some, same yeah. story. Yeah, that's yep. what it was back then. Yeah. As you say, you do Facebook, you Oh, you could even, yeah, you could easily. Oh, there's just so many ways these days. And, and and even some builders have software packages now where they upload photos every day and, and they can end up with you. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. 
but I think the key there is we're probably talking about the communication. Communication. Yeah, keep really the communication important. lines open and then you as the investor, if you're going in as the investor, uh, you might want to bring this up up front. I, I'd love yeah. to be kept up to date. That's documented as well as the, to the regularity of reporting Yeah, in, okay. in a joint venture. It's one of the things in a joint venture agreement. Yeah. Okay, the, the, I like that. The, the re- type of reporting and the regular, regularity of It's another reporting. big word you stumbled over today, Bob. Yeah. You all right? Yeah, I am. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of big ones. Oh, I can't oh we've, done, we've done a lot of talking today. You know, we did that other podcast with Bernadette. I think you've done two other podcasts. This could be your fourth one for the day. <laughs> My tongue's thick enough as it is. Oh, hey, if you're interested in a bit of motivation, jump back over to Bounce Back Better with Hilary Saxton. Today I talked about mindset. So if you're interested Ooh, in learning about hold of that. mindset, Bounce Back Better, you'll see me, and that's my podcast. But... Um, that's kind of my buzz, all about, you know, keeping our mind set. So, Bob, what are the notes that I take here? What other, what other points should people look into? Well, like, or, you were saying early in the piece, what should an investor look, look for? We talked about the, particularly a joint venture with an equity partner, the, the person, individual person. We've talked about the project, does it stack up and so forth. Uh, I mean, one thing when you're investing funds is what security do I have over my investment? If you're an equity partner and you're in the deal, well, you're probably going to be on the title. So you don't get better security than ownership. It's about as good as it gets. So you're part owner of the, of the site in, in most cases, mm. 100% of the time, but in a lot of cases you are. So that's pretty good security. If you're a loan partner and you're external to the project, security is pretty important. So... You've lent money, and at some point you want that money back, and of course you want interest return on your money. So a loan, a loan document by itself is not enough. Uh, that's pretty much what we call unsecured. So there's no security behind it. So what might you get? So what you're saying there, just for people that are new listening to this, just because somebody gives you a document and you signed it, isn't really any security. No, it's just a loan document. I mean, yeah, you can do a bit with it, but you want security. You, you think, say, you've got a home loan. With the Commonwealth Bank, what 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 do they have? Well, you have a loan document, which is what they call a mortgage document, with the bank that says you know how much you owe them, how you're going to pay it off, etc., etc., etc. But they also take a first mortgage over your house, so a loan document's not enough. You need security. But if you're remembering that in a lot of cases, the the financier who's financing the project will have the registered first mortgage. So the loan partner, uh, what else can they have? Well, they might be able to have a second mortgage, for instance. And that, because of that level of security, they're getting a pretty good interest rate. So security is important. A lot of investors, I've seen investors go into, into developments and not even understand what security is. They, they lend some money, they get a loan document um, from, a, from a special purpose vehicle that has no assets and uh, with no security. And if it all went bad, well, see you later, bad luck, you know. Mm. And they're suing a company that's got nothing in it. Uh, with or, you know, or a trust, you know, with a with a corporate trustee or whatever. So, documentation is important. Also, like as an investor, um, get the documentation checked by by a decent lawyer before you sign it, not, a, not after you sign it, as well. Um, somebody, somebody who's au fait, a, a lawyer who's au fait with you know, joint ventures and documentation. That's that's generally a property. Lawyer, but there's certain property lawyers who delve a fair bit with joint ventures, and they'll be able to, you know, help you just maybe fine tune and sharpen that joint venture agreement. Of course, because that's something we haven't brought up. Mm-hmm. There are some negotiations that can be had in there, can't? Isn't there? Like you said, 
they can sharpen that agreement. So even though there's a document, it doesn't mean that, you, or can it be, or maybe it can't. Maybe it can't be altered because it would be about finance. It can. You can say a joint venture agreement once it's signed off. It mm. can be altered, but it can only be altered if both parties agree. Right. And it generally has to be evidenced in writing and both parties would sign off. And mm. that, that can happen sometimes too. Um, you know, somebody might have a, a loan partner might have a loan lending a certain amount of money at a certain interest rate for a certain period of time. Let's say it was 12 months. Uh, there's probably a clause in there that says if it goes for more than 12 months, what happens? Mm. Uh, or if it didn't and, and the developer needed more than 12 months, you might have to add another clause in there that says it can be extended by a further three or four months where they you know, continue to get interest. That might have to be added in, signed off. You Rob, know, you brought up a point before about um, just a document wasn't enough and that got me thinking. I've got lots of things going through my mind that I want to get out. But I... Different states have different rules around mm. um, mortgages. Mortgages, mortgages. Yeah. yeah, and I know that you say Queensland's probably the easiest. New uh, South Wales is a little bit. It's probably the hardest. Hard, the hardest. Yeah. And so, what are the reasons for that? Well, we, we could do a weekend on mortgages probably, but but with second mortgages, so, some developers. That sounds incredibly boring. Yeah, look, it's more to do if you've got a loan partner, somebody external to project lending money. They're looking for security. You can't give them a first mortgage because the financier of the project's got first they might offer them a second Uh, but not all first mortgagees allow a second mortgage behind them or some if they do they ask you to sign what you call a deed of priority Um, and and then some financiers when they lend you money have a clause in the finance that say you can't burden the property any further like by having a a second mortgage Mm -hmm. And so if you do, are you breaking your loan agreement? Can they call that a default? Like there's, there's a lot around it. And the rules around that are, are state, state laws. Well, not rules, they're laws as to how that's treated. And, you know, there are places in Australia where it, you, don't, you can register a second mortgage. You don't have to tell the first mortgagee. Even if they find out, they can't trigger a default. Uh, you know, there's, there's a whole procedure to go through. So th- there's lawyers that work in the finance sector and they would be the people you would get advice from if you weren't sure mm. uh, as to how that how that should work. Rob, another thing I suppose, this is something else that popped into my head, I say you had money, mm-hmm. how much do you need to be an investor? So somebody listening to this now might think, well, I've got equity in my house. I'd like to use it because, you know, yeah. if you're thinking rich dad, poor dad, if you start following like the way we are, we're like, let's get our money making money. So how do you, how much do you need to invest in somebody else's property development, somebody yeah. else's project? Well, it would depend on the size of the project for a start. Like if it was a little two-lot subdivision compared to eight townhouses, obviously the equity requirement is a lot larger on eight townhouses than the equity to finance a, a two-lot subdivision. So it will depend on the project. And also, is there more than one investor? Um, like, for instance, you might uh, you might do a three-townhouse project and you might need, uh, you know, $500,000 equity. And the, the finance you put in the rest, okay, you need to borrow $500,000 if you, if you don't have it. So that if, if it came from one person, it would be $500,000. If it came from two people, well, it, it could be it could be any combination. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if they split it, it could be two fifty. Would you do five at one hundred? 
Or that gets a bit well, messy. Well, if you had no choice, if it's the only way you could get 500, there are laws around things like that. Like you reach a point where it's not just a joint venture, it's a capital raising, you know, and technically they're financial products. And so there's a whole law around that. There are some exemptions uh, around that, but you need to... Yeah, you need to take some advice off off a corporate lawyer to make sure you're not breaching any of the any of the rules under the Corporations Act. Do they really? Are they a dog with no teeth? Does they are they really controlling that these days? Well, they have to. They have to find out. Yeah, you know. Um, so are you are you saying this isn't? Are you saying that people do do it? It's not yeah, legal, there, but they do do there's that. There's heaps of illegal schemes out there. Um, a lot of it is just pure ignorance and that the, the people doing it don't even understand the, the law and, and a lot of lawyers don't understand it. You're on a good, experienced corporate lawyer and so they're just doing it through their ignorance. And, and you know, pe- the, the authorities generally only find out if there's a problem. Right. So if a project went bad and the investors then, you know, go to their lawyer and their lawyer starts to have a look and he says, well, I wonder if this was a legal scheme or not, you know, and they dig a bit deeper and they find out it wasn't. You know, that, that's often how it happens. It often, uh, because, you know, ASIC don't drive around looking for, you know, deals with two lot splitters and four subbies. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even know, you know, if, if, they're, if they're legal or illegal. But you tend to hear them when they attack the bigger end of town because that's where the notoriety is. That's where they get the big headlines and that's how they can get funding from the government. Uh, whereas Bob. really... But, but... Going below the belt. An unhappy investor could force an issue where a project gets investigated, but it, it often happens that way, you know, through an unhappy experience from some investors. So, and what would happen, Bob, say that an unhappy investor did say there was five investors and they had breached some sort of law and, and it wasn't going how they thought and an unhappy investor went to ASIC, what would they actually do? Probably not a lot. Um, they might think it's too small or... Or, you know, you probably have to go to a current affair or something to get them out of their chairs yeah, I am. to do it, you know. But um, but technically it can. I mean, I, I, I know one fellow that was doing six projects. Uh, none of them were correct, shall we say, in the, in the, you know, in the sense of the law. You mean compliant? Did, compliant. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember how, how they found out, but ASIC did find out about it and they shut all six down. Hmm. Uh, partly, partly developed, and uh, it's not a good thing to happen. Oh, okay. I didn't know they went that far. Well, yeah. So, so just make sure whatever you're doing is legal. You know, there, there are uh, certain circumstances where you don't need full compliance. Yep. You know, uh, you need a, a, an element of compliance. Okay. The other, I don't know if I did. I ask this question. Oh, say you. Oh, so I went with if you had a small amount of money. Yeah. What about if you had a, a, like a large chunk of money? And you're listening to this today. What would you do? Like, where, where would you go to phone find me. an investor? <laughs> what, phone, yeah, phone us. We've got we've got mentoring students always looking for joint venture partners. Yeah, you can phone us. We've got some great um, opportunities available. True, that is true. So you can reach out to us. But so, what else could you do? Where else would you go? We don't want to tell them because we want them to come to well, us. Well, it depends if they wanted to invest in a property development or not. If, right. If they thought it was a good idea because the returns can be good, hmm. you know, they might be getting 17, 18, 19, even twenty percent uh, with, with on a second mortgage security basis Yep. as a loan partner. Well, you know, if they were happy with that, th- then they've got to find a deal. Mm. So where would you go to find a deal? Well, you know, 
you know, if you're involved in any property groups, you probably find people there hit banging the drum for money. Mm. But then you've got to check out those things that we've talked about today, you know, to make sure it is is the right deal. And as you know, like we have people contact us regularly, irregularly. They have money. They want to get into a project. But they, they want to get into a project, well, some, some people want to get into a project that we might be doing, but other, at least get into a project with somebody where we're overseeing the project because that makes it a lot safer for them. You know, mm. we, we, we get approached like that. So so, so there are yeah. places that are probably seen as a little bit more safe to do to, uh, to well, you, invest you, in other people's you're back projects. back to that thing, yeah. experience. If they don't have it, is somebody overviewing everything with experience? Does the deal stack up? You know, mm. is it... Is it professionally operated, well project managed, like the, the sort of things that you look at as an investor, mm. uh, and you know we we deal with those all the time. So we're going to wind this up, Bob. Um, we have an ebook available that is written for an investor. So so the questions you might like to ask, and if you'd like a copy of that, you can. I'll uh, put it. The link below this podcast, or head over to our website. It might be on yeah. there. I think yes, it is. It might. It is definitely on the website. So if that's something that you want to read, and we just wrote it, or Bob wrote it actually, because he's uh, he's pretty clued up in this sort of stuff. Oh, Three hundred million. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, so we wrote it because for people to go into uh, property development sort of eyes wide open. And then we do have our workshop coming up, even though I did say that at the beginning of the podcast, which is on the 3rd, 4th, 5th of November. So mm. if you have money and you are thinking, I'd like to be educated before I invested, there's a great opportunity for you to come to the Gold Coast and have a lot of fun with us. Trust me, it is a, such a fun event. Uh, you will learn so much. You will network with some amazing people. Uh, yeah, it's just the go-to property event. You want to be there. And uh, we also have our online course, at, which is available as well. So if you're interested in learning about property development, head over to propertymastermind.com.au. Danielle, your book's in the mail. And is that about it, Bob? I, I think it is. I think it is. And if you want some mindset, uh, a mindset reset, head on over to Bounce Back Better. My podcast. I'll be listening to that tonight, but but you're out. Um, you're out tonight, of course. I am guest speaker. I at a am pretty big function. I am a guest speaker tonight at a pretty big function. That's pretty exciting. And we talked about earlier in this podcast setting your GPS to where you want to go, to being clear about what you want. And I've been very clear and intentional about me wanting to be a speaker at more events. And wow, is that happening now tonight? Uh, 90, 90 women next Monday over 150 women, mm-hmm. me as the guest speaker. So that's pretty exciting. So yep. that was me setting my GPS. So if there's something mm. you want, if it's property development, you've got to be clear about what you want, set your GPS and head in that direction. Yep. It doesn't just happen because you wish it would happen. Mm. You've got to make stuff happen, hey? Yeah, it's beyond wishful thinking, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my wee plug. No, We've done a, a bit plug. of a done a bit of a long one today. I don't know if you'll be talking at the end of the night. Would uh, you do four podcasts today and a, a big thing tonight? Yeah, yes, yes, I did, and I will, and it won't be a problem. All right, everybody, we hope you learned a bit from that. If you're interested in from learning from us, you know where we are. We would love to chat to we'll you. We'll see you there. See ya. Bye.